Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I am joined by my dad, Jack. The two generations on Generation Tech. How you doing today? Doing good, Todd. Good to hear your voice. Likewise, likewise. So, so I hear you had a little fender bender lately. Everybody okay? Yeah, we're all fine. But uh, we, we, we got a, a rear ender dead yeah. on, so he, he uh, kind of got well balanced uh di- didn't really hit the car at all uh, uh other than an appendage to the car since i'm handicapped i have a lift on the back of my car and that provided yeah. a, a bumper but at the same time it also provided a, a a big hammer that had the leverage to uh push up a the floor of the lift right into my back window so uh. in that sense it really banged the window yeah. Of course, it broke my, uh, just like the last time I, I lost the back window, it breaks the uh, uh, wiper blade, which is mounted sure. in the window itself. The bracket always breaks. Right. So. Yeah. I imagine it, I'm glad everybody's okay. I imagine that the uh, it uh, scared the heebie-jeebies out of everybody in the car. Oh, yeah. So. The boys, uh, in particular, uh, Noah was sitting in the back seat and he Oh, my goodness, he says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always unexpected when it happens, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I was uh, in a fairly bad rear-end accident quite a few years ago, so I, I know what you mean. Not a lot of fun. But so. the two in, instant uh, 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 understanding to me of what had happened is with that window gone uh, and it was raining out, is we could hear the rain pouring down now and landing in the car as well as the freeway traffic. We were right by the edge of a freeway where I'd pulled off, uh-huh. and there's big trucks coming by, you know? So it yeah. got really loud. It's, fact, funny. it's funny how you don't really realize all the noise that's outside that's muffled by the vehicle, right? And then suddenly oh, yeah. it's like, now you're opened up to it. It's like somebody opened a window instantaneously and unexpectedly. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, glad everybody's okay. So, uh, tech stuff, you've got an interesting thing you found here about uh, ways to move electricity under the oceans. Like, we have communication lines under the oceans. So, if we were able to share electricity electricity efficiently uh, over long distances, then we could maybe do something with solar. Because you and I have talked about the problems with solar, in fact, you know, in the fact that it only works X number of hours a day. When the sun goes down, it doesn't work anymore. Um, you know, and those, those in the winter, you know, if you live in the northern, northern or the southern hemisphere for, for some months out of the year, it's, it's a much shorter day and a much longer night. And so you get less and less efficiency out of your solar systems. Well, uh, when I come upon this article, all I saw initially was uh, a picture of a cable that looks like it goes from Europe to the U.S. And it mm-hmm. says electricity across the oceans. Uh, yeah. And I just said... That's insanity. Yeah. You know? Well, for the average person, yeah. they would look at that and go, we've been running wires for communications across the oceans for years and years. Why couldn't? Why can't we run electricity across the ocean well, in a wire? Well, there's communications and then there's power. And this right. one was obviously talking about power. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the, the, I'm dating myself here, but my education regarding power was when you had long distance, it was automatically not... Uh, uh, something that you 
ran under the, the ground for a long distance because of the trenches or whatever, but how are you going to run AC? Right. Which is what my, well, I for, the un- for the uninitiated, why can't you run a wire underneath the oceans and share your electricity with people in, in you know, Great Britain? Well, uh, there's uh, two ways of doing sharing power. And the old way that I learned when I was in school and didn't hear anything about this was what they called alternating current. And uh, what then, you plug uh, into the, the wall, you get AC in your wall, that, alternating that's, current. That's that's right. That's the normal form of distributing power everywhere in the, in this country at this point. But they have now uh, figured out some of the issues that uh, why a, a alternating current was was uh, selected back in the early 1900s over direct current. Right. And they've worked on those issues, and the principal one being how to build the cable for direct current. And they've solved a lot of problems. Right. So they've kind of come down to the point where if you get somewhere around over uh, a mile long of, of transmission, uh, there's a crossover now where uh, DC is more efficient and a lot of advantages over alternating current. Right. Now, DC current, for those of you who don't know, is what like essentially comes out of your battery. That's so it. like batteries are DC current. Um, anytime you have a, a power block on a device, what that is, is that's a transformer and it's switching the AC current from the wall to DC in order to power your devices. So we've for a long time, <clears throat> excuse me, for a long time known that uh, DC is is better for running your elect a, a lot of your electronics. A lot of things are, are running DC. Um, about the only things that we we use direct AC for is electric motors. You know, right. so it's electric motors for fans and for running compressors on on air conditioners and refrigerators and things like that, or for um, uh, also for like uh, electrical heating. Um, you know, if you have an electric dryer or an electric um, uh, stove, generally those are, are using the AC current. But right. DC is what runs your television sets, your phone, your um, uh, what else is electric in an average house? Um, well, just, yeah. just about everything uh, starts with AC current because that's how it gets into your house to begin with. A real right. high you know, right. Now, the reason it, you need to have that that uh, that uh, power block is to convert it from the AC to the DC, so that you can use it in in electronics that are like anything that has a computer in it. Which, let's face yeah. it, even though your refrigerator uses AC to run the compressor, it uses <laughs> DC to measure the temperature, decide when to run the compressor, and all of that. Yep. Now, there. Uh, what I'm talking about now is long distance transfer of power over high voltage DC. Now you got to put the high voltage in front of it because that's that's a key factor or you still doesn't go very far because there are still losses. Right. But the real key to this is compared to what I was taught uh, many moons ago in college. Right. <laughs> was that you had way too many losses with DC because of the uh, in the it was cable losses mostly. Yeah. And so they worked on fixing or redesigning the cable. Right. 
the yeah, fundamental. If you've ever technology. watched the History Channel, there's plenty of shows that they've done about that but between Edison and Tesla's different plans, and Tesla's got picked up by Westinghouse. Uh, and the AC and the DC war about the battles when we, they were first trying to electrify America and provide electric lighting. And uh, the uh, Edison said, don't use AC because AC kills, right? And then they, they would electrocute an elephant to show people. And, and they even created an electric chair to kind of besmirch AC electricity. But DC electricity at that time essentially lost because it's hard to transmit it very far. And so yeah. the, the plant that generated the electricity had to be, like, down the block from you. Otherwise, it didn't work. Yeah. Well, well, the, the uh, notion of killing between AC and DC is fundamentally no different. It's just high oh, voltage. Oh, I know. It was a, mar it was a marketing thing <laughs> by Edison. But Edison was doing that back at the turn of the last, you know, previous century, not the most yeah. recent century. Um, yeah. And he was doing it intentionally to besmirch AC to get the public behind DC yeah. power, which was safer. The lies of yesteryear. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what is it? There's lies, damn lies, and then there's marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which well, uh, any apologies to any marketing people. And I'm sorry I keep interrupting you. I just want a lot of people don't know a whole lot about electricity so i just want to yeah. kind of fill in some of the blanks so that they understand that this has been a long 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 going issue between the use of ac and dc electricity yeah. and the benefits of each and when yeah. you would use one versus the other and one of the big drawbacks as you've been pointing out historically mm -hmm. has been that dc was hard to transmit you couldn't really move a lot of energy from one place to another efficiently yeah. with DC power, but there's been some changes. Okay, well, let me let me first of all talk about why this is coming to the fore at this point in time. People have been working on this for a long time, but it, uh, in fact, it hasn't really been implemented anywhere on large scale yet. But uh, and that was because it didn't really have any applications until you come to the point of talking about uh, the re renewable energy sources that are pure renewables, as they call them, so they el eliminate the use of nuclear, although nuclear has waste, as everybody knows, and uh, it doesn't, uh, it has to be dealt with. Uh, it, it lasts so long that it's comparable, uh, given the price you pay on disposal. Uh, to uh, the other pure uh, energy sources, which are solar and wind, and uh, the most important is, are the natural uh, potential energy of water coming over dams. Yeah, well, solar, like wind, hydroelectric, geothermal, yeah. and yeah. there's also been uh, wave generation. In fact, uh, yeah. one of the original wave generating machines built off the coast of Scotland near Orkney is, has been disassembled. It was built back in the 70s, and they've taken it out. They're selling off the parts. They're trying to see if a museum wants some of it. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, I, I don't know what's going to happen to that kind of energy, but in certain places it still makes sense, probably. Yeah. You know, you'd have to look at each location and what sure. resources yeah. are. I mean, you know, the, I, I've heard about also trying to harness tidal energy. Um, but, but but anyway, yeah. The, 
the downside of all, of at least the solar and the wind part is are that they're not uh, reliable in the sense over time they're on and they're off because it's blowing and then it's not and then right. it's, the sun's out and then it's not and so the attempt to connect these systems over time uh, brings about the idea of why not have a high voltage direct current type of electricity transfer uh, between different time zones and thus the line going across the ocean. Now, whether the, obviously the ocean's a long way and a lot of cable, so you cross wherever you uh, could do it least expensively. But mm -hmm. anyway, uh, it's just the idea that you can connect all of these different power systems from different time zones, and when you have a, a large enough matrix or network so that you cover uh, the entire 24-hour time span, now you have the equivalent of a uh, of a uh, power generation system run by fossil fuels, because the, those kinds of things uh, are what we have today, and they want to get rid of those. So anyway, uh, so it ties into the climate change types of power production uh, because there's an application, and it it works more efficiently uh, than uh, the alternating current does today uh, over long distances yeah and that's and, and we're talking there about beyond a mile or more sure yeah and and if you if you think about it if you're going if if you want to connect like north america to europe if you go north up through um like nova scotia then to greenland to iceland you know then down into uh the uk and into europe um mm -hmm. You can actually do that by never having anything longer than about 100 miles. The longest stretch is from Iceland to Scotland, but there's an island in between them called Stramoy Island. And so you could then, you know, go to there and then the rest of the way. So, Well, you still have to have cable. Yeah, and you still have to go 100 miles, and that cable has to be underwater <laughs> in a very inhospitable place. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that minimizes the underwater part, but when sure. you look at the total cost with cable and everything uh, mm -hmm. getting to and from the endpoints there, uh, whatever, you, wherever you can do it the most efficiently and, sure. and still have customers <coughs> is where it'll go. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, unknowns to that, to the routing. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. Yeah, I'm just, just throwing that out there because I think a lot of people don't realize that you know, while the ocean is thousands of miles across, that you can break it down to 100 mile jumps. Now, 100 miles is still 100 miles. Across, yeah, the, 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 the real concern with a buried cable or under the ocean cable has always been re repairability. Now, of course, it's protected in a sense that it's not directly exposed to uh, hazards that we're aware of. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but as as anybody who lives near a coastline knows, salt water is corrosive. <laughs> yeah, know? but it, you know, so it'll, it'll ha the cable will still have a lifetime, sure. no matter what how you look at it. And uh, so there's there's a lot of considerations. But anyway, I'm I'm fascinated to find that they've now found materials to wrap these uh, 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 wires in that uh, allow you to. Uh, do direct current without the losses that that I was used to used to when when I was in engineering, mm -hmm. 
And so modern engineering has another option now and, uh, and an application that will probably make sense. Yeah. And so uh, I expect to see some of these things done initially in a small sense, but right. small is relative, you know. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, what, right. like a lot of stuff, what will happen is, is they'll, they'll use it in a real small scale um, examples first, you know, and across land where people can get to it and deal with any problems. And over right. time, they'll prove that it works, and then they'll go from there to the next you know, yep. the next thing and scale it up and get more and more. Um, but the the idea that we can now trans or, or the, the technology will now make it more feasible as we move forward and, and flush it out uh, yep. to transmit energy over longer distances. What we may also see is that the, you know, that the electric grid that we have in the United States, parts of that, especially longer runs, might end up being replaced by uh, you know, a, a DC, uh, high voltage DC system uh, in order to cut down on the amount of energy that's lost. Because again, a lot of people don't realize when we transmit energy, there's always uh, energy that's Losses. lost is heat and lost, you know, just uh, there's resistance in the cable. There's, um, um, I think the, the uh, uh, engineering with Rosie is the, is the series that we, we were listening to, and she breaks down three different ways that AC uh, has trouble going over long distances and the drawbacks of using that and where this high-voltage DC uh, now has some advantages. And so, um, you know, engineers will start to take advantage of that as time goes by, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Kind of cool. So so anyway, I, I think we've mm -hmm. done enough to introduce the idea. Now, this is uh, early in its development, so... Uh, there's there's going to be some hiccups along the way, uh, you know, manufacturing this stuff so that it really functions as engineered, you know, and, uh, and determining, you know, whether we can, there can be a profit made that drives everything, you know, so somebody's willing to make that cable uh, for a, a price that somebody else is willing to pay for it and all those little details that matter. Uh, mm -hmm. And... Uh, and so hopefully we'll see and hear about this kind of stuff uh, a little further on down the, the line. Now, I know they're in a big hurry to get all these energy systems online, but in my mind, this gives uh, the solar and wind energy uh, developers uh, a major a boost. Mm -hmm. They've got to be optimistic, and I'll bet you they'll even, they're probably investing money in this already because they know people don't want their product for a lot of other reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. And so they, that's why there were some people out there investing in nuclear, like Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. He's building a big nuclear reactor up in, I think it's Idaho yeah. or something like that. Actually, the uh, term there would be he's building a small nuclear reactor up there, because one of the things in his system is, is they're smaller and, and then well, less, less fissile I, material and I, then safer. I, I, yeah, well, I will. I will say a more modern one. The designs right. today work the safety issues to to where it isn't a concern. Right. That's the biggest part of it. However, well, it's isn't a, it a concern to you? Some people are still concerned. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 a very large uh, power plant. However, and it doesn't use the little modular nuclear stations that you can buy and put outside your house and have your own independent station for the rest of your life. Uh, so. There are what they call small nuclear reactors. Right. His, his 
reactors are not small. No, but yeah, but it's they're scale wise, he, they're smaller than some of the ones he, that have been out he, there before. He, but yeah. He, yeah, his goal is basically to use the infrastructure for, that have been used by the coal powered plants that are all over. Is it Wyoming or Idaho? I can't recall. Whatever the state is there uh, nearby where he's building his. And so he's going to be a replacement for the coal-powered energy because they want to take that offline ASAP. So he can't get his power plant built fast enough and provide, you know, equivalent power to all those users. Mm -hmm. And so he had a built-in customer base when he at the beginning is anyway. So this isn't going to affect him. Uh, in a significant way, because nuclear, first of all, doesn't even have the problem of need of downtime. It's it's always on, and uh, so anyway, uh, uh, let's uh, let's just move on from the power business to one that just happened a couple of days ago, uh, and that is that Apple lost an astonishing 160 billion dollar market value in one day because the the analysts said it was in a slowdown phase. Now, having been a former Apple investor, I remember having something, maybe not this big, but hit mm. with a, a, a astonishing frequency until you got used to being an Apple investor. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and I will say this, $160 billion is a big, 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 big number. When yes. your company's worth $3 trillion, after you lose 160 billion, you're still worth more than two trillion. That's right. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're 290. You know, or 200. Uh, yes. You know, this is round. Yeah. This is round all stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah. Two trillion yeah. nine hundred billion. Okay, or two hundred eight eight hundred forty billion. But anyway, yeah. a after uh, a recent uh, Apple uh, uh, market review or business uh, report where they, of course, always beat the previous uh, estimates of where they're going to be. I mean, that's a, been tr traditional with Apple. So, I mean, they, they blew, it up, blew it out. And you'd think that, you know, everything's rosy. Well, that's when these the people that are professional gamblers in the stock market come in and go grab the, all the little guys' uh, investment dollars because they know that they've all bid it up too high, and so mm -hmm. they're going to teach them a lesson. Yeah. And so, and so it drives a lot of people out of the market. I'll bet you half of the people that were small investors that took this big hit like this uh, say, "Well, that's enough for me." And unfortunately, they sold on it. They should just hang on to what they've got because yeah. it's going to, you know, matter. Thirty days from now, you'll never know what happened. Yeah. Well, I've seen a couple articles where people who, I mean, we're not uh, investment analysts, so don't listen to us. Don't do not do anything based on anything we say. But um, but there are some people who are invest in investment analysts who have been publishing articles saying, you know, just hold. Don't yeah. buy and sell Apple. Just hold <laughs> it. <laughs> just hang on. Yeah. You know, this is this is this is but, Apple. <laughs> but, 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 you know, percentage wise, there's just a whole lot of inexperienced people out there who maybe yeah. put their first big bet. You know, on Apple, thinking this was a sure thing, and then right. that's, this kind of thing happens. Yeah, and and they're there no matter what. Uh, you know. Yeah. Anybody tells them, you know, it's just mm -hmm. 
they're, they're going to have to make, learn their lessons the hard way. <laughs> yeah. And bet's the right word. I mean, you're basically, you, you know, people, they don't call it that, but this is legalized gambling. This is what this is. You're, you're betting that this company is, value of this company is going to go the way you want it to go. Um, and that could have nothing to do with, you know, the actual stability and, and solidity of the company. It's and it's, just, and it's, and it's, it's all driven by psychology. Right. And, and the people that you're contending with, the professionals, they know the psychology of how to make money in the markets. Yeah. And, they, and that means they're going to come steal it from people who don't know. Yeah, yeah. All those, those uh, people new to the market <laughs> are basically, yeah. Well, Anyhow. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's what, what's astounding. What's breathtaking about it is how big the numbers get when you get to be as big a company as Apple, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like when they say, oh, it lost 160 billion in market value. And you know, there's how many millions of companies out there that are, that, that are nowhere near worth 160 billion and Apple lost that in a day, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and yet, you know, 160 billion is, you know, what uh, less than five percent of the value of the company? I mean, it's, right. it was it's, it was it's, a, it was about five percent. But yeah, and you and there's other places other than Apple where you can take a five percent hit too. You know, oh I mean, sure. It's just it's just uh, that uh, yeah. probably more likely to occur in the tech areas. Sure, that, yeah. that's why the tech stuff is always considered risky. Right. Well, and that's why some some companies uh, don't split their stock, they let the price get real high and leave it there because that tends to drive out a lot of the day traders. And so you're just dealing with professionals then. So your stock yeah. prices remain a little more stable. You know, um, that's, you know, Apple's that way. I mean, uh, Amazon's that way, right? Their stock price is way high. So yeah. um, the average Joe doesn't go out and buy a share. Or, you know, you don't buy 100 shares of Amazon, uh, you know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Apple has kept their, their stock prices fairly affordable. You know, and was it a couple of years ago, they were at like $700 a share or something like that. And they split it into, you know, seven yep. ways. So they dropped the price back down to about $100 a share so that people could afford to buy it and invest in it. So Yeah, well, that, that's if you can invest just before they split a stock. Now, that's the real winner. Mm -hmm. Or you can that invest way early so that they build up to the, where they have to split a stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you could read it, if you had a crystal ball, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm old. Before the stock last, before the last two stock splits, I remember Apple's stock being twenty four dollars a share. So, yeah, you know, and I don't know if you were into Apple at that time and remember those days, but I remember those days. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I think they were there more than once, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I don't remember those dark days when. Um, Steve Jobs was gone. Uh, the, sh the share price got pretty low there before he came back and kind of pulled the company out of the out of the gutter. Well, I was in before Buffett realized it was a good investment, so he yeah. he, he he was a follower. Yeah, that's right. Been, <laughs> he, he was he was watching watching that Brinker guy, seeing what he was doing, and going, "Hey, that makes sense." And and talk about it. I mean, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, they're in big. They're Apple's their number one uh, investment. You know, almost, so. almost over fifty percent, I think. Yeah, which is, yeah. tells yeah. you something right there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot what? of trust in in, uh, in See, the company, and the, and the, and he and, and and Buffett invests. You know, he said before he invests in in 
the the management and leadership of companies. That's what he looks at and says, well, well, is this a group of people who know how to make decisions and uh, yeah. th that are right. financially viable? And clearly Apple has done yeah, that. He, know, he knows people, and that's that's one other way to, that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anywho, um, yeah, you know, um, it, it's shocking. Everybody hold your breath. Apple's not crumbling. It's not going anywhere. That's right. You know, uh, and in fact, uh, somebody pointed out in one of the articles I read, it's like Apple loses like $160 billion in market value. Of course, they still have about $160 billion in cash that they can, you know, on top of everything else. Um, yeah. They tend to keep, you know, somewhere somewhere around a hundred billion dollars in cash just on hand in case they want to go buy somebody you know yep if there's a hot new technology that they could get a lead on and the only way to get it is to buy it they'll go buy it it's funny as a company though too they tend to buy small small companies they've not made i mean the biggest the biggest purchase they bought in another company was when they bought the uh beats um and i don't think that was for the great headphones that was pretty that was much for people for well, that was for the streaming service too. Yeah. Uh, Apple wanted to get into streaming, and Beats had a streaming service already, and so Apple Music was born the day they bought Beats. But yeah. that then also got them people who understand the music industry. That's right. Well, they—that's why I say in a in a business, the biggest evaluation has to do with the people that they're getting when they buy a company. Yeah. Because that's what you're buying. A company is people. And without them, you, you know, unless you're in a manufacturing kind of a thing, and, you know, but in the engineering and development world, yeah, it's all about people. Yeah. Well, and I would bet even in the manufacturing world, there's people who are experts oh, yeah. who just, you know, know how to make it work right. Yep. So, yep. Well, so passwords yeah. are useless now because AI can pretty much steal your password. All they have to do is listen to the clickety clack of your keyboard, huh? Yeah, well, there's, there's several things that you're not generally aware of, and that is some, you know, just how you type things in differently sometimes. Mm -hmm. Passwords sometimes yeah. are single finger things. Yeah, there's sort of a standard uh, uh, pace for and, and each letter is is they they've been able to break it down to say that you know a normal typist will there's a pause between this letter and that letter and the longer the pause you know they're, they're able to distinguish which pause is the law is, is affiliated with which letter i guess right yeah and, yeah and there there are patterns that are driven by the rules for passwords because some passwords in fact a lot of places require passwords that have both numbers and letters and upper and lower case and mm -hmm. and have special characters or you know and a certain minimum length so you put all those rules together and that's a piece of cake for AI. I said, man, I know how to go with rules, you know? So the, all of those rules are part, but not necessarily for all passwords. They don't, AI is not dumb enough to think that that's everything follows these rules. So you need to have a, a system, your operating system needs to create a metronome and every time it beeps, you type so that everybody types with the same cadence to throw off. Yeah. Know. Because what they're saying is, is that there's they, they could basically build a piece of malware that sits on your computer, uses the microphones built into your computer to record the cadence of your typing. And based on that, they can then guess what the password is. Yeah. And they can guess it with real high accuracy. I mean, they're saying almost 100%. And they were but, quoting numbers anywhere from the 
mid to high 90s in terms of actual practical examples that they've used. Yep. So, so anyway, there's and there's a lot more than that that the AI knows about you. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, all of that information put together in, yeah. into a, a system that can uh, solve for the high, highest likelihood uh, thing that meets those things, it, mm -hmm. it can quickly get down to a fairly minimum set of uh, numbers or letters or whatever you want to call yeah. it, uh, potential passwords. Yeah, to tell if and, you're hitting uh, the shift key while you're doing that or not yeah. based again on the sound. So, yeah, yeah which, is, which is creepy. And I suppose if you are a could be considered a high value target if you're somebody who's you know a dissident in a country where they don't like you um you know or people are actively trying to hunt you or if you're a famous person or something like that then you probably have you know a brand new concern you didn't have yesterday if you're well, the average joe then probably not a big deal because well, nobody wants your data they already know everything about you anyway right? well the the place that this really matters is the uh, i was in the military and in uh uh, a highly classified area where I had a lot of documents that were uh, at the top end of the classification in many cases. Mm -hmm. And so access to that kind of stuff is the stuff that gets will get all the priority so that storage uh, and protection of that kind of stuff can no longer depend on uh, things that are susceptible to, to uh, AI. Yeah. And and so there there are ways to do that too. Yeah, don't don't you know? have it hidden in encryption that has a password on it, right? Yeah. Instead, hey, have a fingerprint sensor on your keyboard. Biometrics. Yeah. yeah. It can't read your the ridges on your finger. Well, I I don't know. There's enough sensors out that for there for that today. They may be able. Yeah. They may be able to find that too. Yeah, I suspect it's not. You know, it's it's not that difficult to. Uh, to so get. So I, you know. I don't want to suggest ways, but I know a number of things that I would look at in terms of trying to define uh, a uh, an AI uh, unsusceptibility. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, and I'm sure a lot of other ways that I won't think of that others will. Yep. Yep. But it's anyway, always it's a cat and mouse game, right? It's like I want to keep this safe and protected. You want to see what it is, and so. Uh, you know, I, I do something to make it harder and more complex to get to, and you figure that out, and then we, I do something else. It's that's just that's, the that's the nature the, of the game. That cat and mouse is as good a description as you can come up with because it's always uh, one versus the other. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anytime you come up with a computer solution to these kinds of things, that's primary advantage is can only be limited by not allowing you to try passwords uh, mm -hmm. in rapidly yeah. you know yeah yeah it you can, each failure adds time to the to be to the next try or there's yeah. just a hard number of failures you know um yeah. you know the uh, was it on the your iphone you can put a hard number in there and have it when it fails it just locks yeah and and then you're you know and so look that that's a primary way of dealing with it. If you really have high need have high security needs, yeah. But until you find out what caused that problem and where the, where it came from, you don't mm -hmm. unlock it. You know. <clears throat> yeah. No, we've all tried to log in with our password and found the shift key. The shift lock was on. You know. 
<laughs> so, so don't put your failure at one. It's got to be more than one, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, it's um, and you know, and that's just one more thing that adds complexity, right? Limit the number of 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 tries, slow it down in between tries. Yep. So you know, I've been to th- I've, I've had systems where it uh, you know you you I was sure I knew what I was doing, and for some reason I was getting one number wrong. And, you know, it, after a couple tries, it goes, it says, okay, now you got to wait a minute. Now you got to wait five minutes. Now you got to wait a day. <laughs> you know, and you're like, yeah. crap. Es- escalate that thing exponentially. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, okay, so come back tomorrow and see if I can remember the stupid password. I actually have a laptop that I had that problem with where I had set a password on the laptop and for life me could not remember the password to get into it. It was an old Windows laptop. It wasn't even that old. But it was one that I had gotten as a closeout somewhere um, cheap. It was, it was, it's, it's a, uh, I think it was an HP laptop, but it looked like a plastic version of a MacBook Air. And mm-hmm. I got it for, I think, like $35 at closeout on Walmart. And it was funny because I happened to be there and they set them on the shelf and there was two of them. And so I just grabbed them and said, hey, if somebody needs a computer, a laptop, and what was cool is these actually had a, a SIM slot so that you could actually put a, ah, yeah. uh, a, a, a cellular in them. And so you could use them, you know, if you wanted to take them to the beach or something. The downside was I think they had all of 64 megabytes of storage space. So they were really, really limited, you know, and for like four, four, um, uh, four um, meg of or 64 gig of space and, and four meg of, of memory. I mean, they were pretty mm-hmm. limited laptops, you know. And yeah. I think I think they were probably had sold for two hundred bucks or something at one time, but they were down to like like I said, they were blowing them out fifty five dollars. So I grab both <laughs> boxes and I start to walk over to the to the uh, counter there in the electronics section because I, I was browsing for something else totally. But I saw the guy take them and set them on the shelf, so I grabbed them. And as I turn the corner to walk up the aisle towards the thing, there's a guy from Walmart coming towards me, and he looks at me, and suddenly his shoulders drop, and he goes. Oh man, I've been waiting for those to come out. I was gonna get one of those, <laughs> and I and I looked at the kid and I went here, <laughs> and I gave him one of them. So I only bought one, you know. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, yeah. he's working at Walmart. He can't afford a Cadillac of a computer. Uh, yep. It was kind of a cool little computer, and then I forgot the password. <laughs> so that's it's a brick. Yeah. So I still have, it's still sitting here in my office behind me, and I don't remember the password. At some point, I can boot it up off of like a um, off of a USB drive and reformat it and start over, which I yeah. probably should do. I just haven't. Yeah. You know, at the time, I think one of my daughters had used it, and there were some files on there she wanted, but it's been so long now that nobody cares. It's just you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. In fact. Um, uh, my brother and his wife were hosting some exchange students and one of them needed a computer. And I was like, Oh, I've got a great computer for him. And then I couldn't get into it. So mm. I was just going to like, let him have it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. shoot. Mm, Cause they basically just needed something to get onto the internet because they were doing, uh, all their classes and stuff were done with Google docs. So, you know, everything was online. They just needed a browser. So they didn't even need much of a computer. And, uh, I think we ended up finding a Chromebook for them. So, yep. But uh, as an anyway, expensive school computer, we but, we commiserated about the 
password solution that still isn't out there. Yes. Why is the passcodes that Apple and Google and everybody says they're going to do? And it's like, come on, man. It's built into the operating system. We should all just do that. I, I don't want passwords anymore. My computer yeah. should just know all that stuff. Yeah, this thing's smart enough that it ought to see me coming and, and mm -hmm. anticipate it and have me logged in before I get there. That's right. You should <laughs> use those microphones to hear me and say, you know, I am me. I mean, at least Apple's making an attempt to do that. It, it'll, it'll log into my computer just if I have my watch on, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I really appreciated that, but I have... Um, I won't say I've quit wearing it, but I'm wearing my Apple Watch much less than I used to. I um, had gotten almost neurotic about like checking my steps and you know just all the stuff that that health things that it could track. And uh, and I've got some nice watches. I like my other watches, and so I just started wearing some of those. I just consciously started doing that, um, uh, you know, in the last two months, I guess. And, uh, you know, I don't miss it. You, you know, know I, when we talked about this last week, I was going to go get, go let, right after we were done and go look for a watch of my past because you'd mentioned that. And I forgot all about it. So I'm going to have to try to remember. Yeah, you've got that real thin watch that you bought. You and mom yeah. both got them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Last I, time I, I was visiting you, I saw it. It was sitting in your, uh, on your shelf there by your television in your bedroom. You've got like, yeah, a, yeah that, that's where I'm going to look, you know, yeah. Yeah, I saw it there. I'm, I'm, I expect to so, find it there, but I yeah. just haven't I haven't looked at it in a long time. Yeah, you know what's going to happen? You're going to find it there and then realize that the battery died two years ago. And uh, uh, yeah, and, <laughs> it's it's no... and, and, and it leaked out and it screwed up the whole watch, right? Yeah, well, probably not, but but it's useless <laughs> till you put a battery in it, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had to do that when I decided to start wearing my watches again. I've got... Um, a collection of automatics which are mechanical and they sit on a watch winder in my in my uh closet my master closet and so uh, i um those are all ready to go in. because they're wound up and ready to go because if you don't wind them then the the spring eventually gets bad and will break so you got to wind them and let them run down and wind them and let them run down and so this winder just spins them around every so often so that they can do that um and then the but i've got a couple you know that are our um, battery run watches and uh, I had to take him down to a local jeweler and have him put some new new batteries in them for me you know I think uh, Siri's been listening because just suddenly I'd see a whole bunch of watches showing on my computer here uh, $10,400 $10,300 $32,000 that's, that's the fine folks at, uh, at uh, Facebook Amazon and Google Oh, you think? Yeah. Well, anyway, somebody's been listening to me, and they threw these watches up because that's what we've been talking about. Are you on a? Are, are using uh, Safari as your browser, or are yeah. you using Chrome? Saf using Safari. Safari. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, yep. They yeah. put them up here. Oh, it's Google. Yeah. It's a Google. Google so, page. Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting it from somewhere. Yeah, most of the ads that you see on on any website are are Google or Facebook ads, but mostly Google. That's yeah. their uh, their source of income. But um, yeah, I've noticed even you know you go into Amazon and they will recommend things. Although the Amazon stuff is pretty stupid because they regularly recommend stuff after I buy one. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like I just bought insert whatever. 
and now yeah. suddenly I'm getting like ads pushing me to buy it from Amazon. And I'm like, you know, I just bought that. Yeah, yeah. dummies. And, and from Amazon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like maybe, maybe you should be selling me accessories to the whatever it is I bought. You know, <laughs> rather than trying to sell me whatever it is I already bought, because I already bought it. Yeah, wonderful, uh, wonderful. So, um, next thing you've got up is uh, a next generation CarPlay, which Apple kind of teased last year at the um, Worldwide Developers Conference, and they didn't say peep about it this year, because this year was all about virtual headsets. Um, not that they would ever call it a headset. But um, apparently computer, it's... Computer, the new computer. Space that's computing. right. Spatial computing is what it was about this year, Todd. Come on, get the lingo down. Um, so uh, CarPlay, yeah, they, they teased it, and apparently it's getting ready to roll. So we'll actually see some changes to the way CarPlay looks and feels in the general use. But then also, this more advanced version of CarPlay will take over and run the dashboard for some cars. And I know yeah. there were several manufacturers who said they were going to do this or do it in partnership with Apple. So it'll be interesting to see where the first, like, um, you know, new vehicle that has the full CarPlay implementation for all of its dashboard will be. Who's that yes. going to be? You yeah, know? it's it says the next generation of CarPlay will be announced sometime in late 23 when they will also have details of who the automakers who have signed on to support the new interface. Yeah, and so uh, they have here a temporary list that they've dug up of people that have already apparently signed up. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's some the popular brands here: uh, Mer mm -hmm. Mercedes-Benz, Lincoln, Audi. Well, all of Ford. Yeah, uh, Honda, Porsche, uh, Infiniti, Renault, Polestar. Yeah. So anyway, there's, yeah. they're getting it's, it's uh, Renault, not Renault, but yeah, Infiniti, yeah. Pol uh, Polestar's uh, Volvo's electric uh, wing, um, yeah. Acura's Honda's, you know, schmancy wing, uh, Nissan. I noticed noticeably nothing from Chevrolet, who's decided they're not going to not support CarPlay anymore, and have oh, announced this, it. Oh, is for their electric. That's going to kill them. For their electric cars. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to do it. For their other cars, and of course, they're switching everything to electric eventually, right? They've already announced that, too. Um, and then the other one that I noticed is on, not on here at all, a big name, is Toyota. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Toyota's uh, got going to have one of every kind that's ever been made. Yeah. That's the way they're taking it. I mean, they, they're having... A, uh, the hydrogen is the big, big one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Well, you mean is as uh, as a as uh, a, energy source as opposed to as an interface for your for the driver. But that's yes, what I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Toyota's uh, taking the shotgun approach. Like we're gonna we're gonna explore all this stuff. We're big enough to do that, and whichever one wins, we'll already be ahead because we've been playing with all of it. That's so, right. Um, yeah, here in Southern California, they're not they're not sold out of outside of Southern California, but in Southern California. Uh, Toyota sells a, a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. Um, yeah. And in fact, just down the street from me, one of my gas stations, first time I've seen one that actually has uh, two pumps off to the side that are like run by a subsidiary or by a affiliated company that are hydrogen filling stations. Yeah, so. by the way, I, I have pretty much concluded, and I may be wrong, but uh, that the hyd major hydrogen businesses are going to be trucks. 
Yeah. Uh, I just think that the electric is not going to go there because they don't, they can't handle the low range uh, of those things without having to waste a lot of time sitting there getting charged. That's just wipes out the electric consideration. Yeah. Yeah, although there's been a lot of advances going forward with, with that and charging speeds and stuff, too. So as that continues to improve, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's well, all boiling well, well, down to how do you store, store your energy, right? Whether it's a chemical storage well, or it's a... Uh, well, the only, the only way to do it with trucks is you just, change, you just swap out the batteries. Well, right now it is. Yeah. Like I said, there's, there's lots of, of advancements going on on quick charging of, of batteries, but... Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, Toyota has, uh, you know, currently if you buy a Toyota, it, it supports CarPlay as it currently exists, but they haven't signed on to go to anything more advanced than that. Um, it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's basically the car manufacturers throwing their hands up and saying, okay, for the most part, the human interface we're just going to give up on. You guys already beat us on that. Take it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and, and so... And Apple's saying, well, it's not just the infotainment system and, and the, um, the mapping system, but we, we want to also provide an interface to, you know, vehicle information. And so well, they're the biggest, integrating all that. The biggest change is going to come in the mapping system. And so, uh, I've already seen some uh, upgrades to that in mind that are just pretty dang nifty. You know, I mean, for example, just one that I use a lot and that is multi-stop. You can add stops while you're on the run. Yeah, golly, so something I could I, do on my GPS ten years ago. I, I know, but I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just saying that was a biggie because they yeah. didn't have it yeah. until maybe a couple months ago. Yeah. I well, noticed. it was a year ago when they upgraded the map system with the uh, last system upgrade. But yeah, it's it's that's a it's a big deal you're right it makes life much easier to say i want to create waypoints between here and there if you're doing anything other than just a casual drive around right um, then that's nice i would say the biggest change to the interface is going to be that they they're talking about taking over the entire dashboard so talking about your you know uh any kind of vehicle information engine temperatures speedometer tachometer that's all you know going to be available through the carplay interface uh with this new version of carplay uh, what well, remains to be seen is how much each of these different manufacturers are going to use of that. It's a don't care for me because all they're doing is grabbing these. This, they're doing it because it's available. There's an RF signal out there they can grab and decode it. And so I don't, it, it doesn't make any difference to me how I see that display and how, how it's generated. RF signal? They're picking it up from sensors on the vehicle that are hardwired. What are you talking about RF signal? Well, there there is uh, uh, some electronic boxes that apparently put out an RF signal, according to this article. Yeah. Well, there are some like the 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 um, uh, air pressure in the tires and stuff are sent is sent wirelessly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, back to the. I mean, that's current on current vehicles. That's yeah. the case. So yeah, all they're talking about is Apple taking over the interface to show the driver. Oh, and passengers, what's going on in the vehicle, as opposed to that being handled by the manufacturer of the vehicle, yeah. um, and uh, and actually that's not 100 percent true because Apple's not saying we'll just do it. They're saying you know here's a toolkit of things for you to do it. You being you know Mercedes, Audi, Land Rover, Volvo, whomever, saying you know and, here's a toolkit car- of ways for you to build an interface 
Um, and, and the car companies who have hired uh, some people that are specialists in this area will get fired. That, that'll yeah, be yeah. what it comes down to. I, I don't want to mess with this anymore because it's costing me too much. Right. Yeah. We'll just say, well, you know, just use the toolkit. We'll have a few people who know how to design with that toolkit. And that's what you need to know to make the, the dashboard for our cars from now on. Yeah. So it's interesting. We'll see. I just did something real fun, by the way, that was an interesting um, uh, exploration. I uh, have two older cars, neither of which have CarPlay interfaces in them natively. One of them, I bought a Sony unit and put CarPlay in it very specifically, uh, and it's tied into a backup camera so I can see behind me because I have limited mobility in my neck. Um, the other one, I've intended to not keep for a while, and so we're still, you know, in the mode of looking for a new vehicle to replace that one. Um, but in the meantime, I thought, you know, it'd be nice to have CarPlay in there, and I ran across an article. And so what I did is I have an older um, uh, Amazon Fire tablet, and if you watch when Amazon puts them on sale, you can get them pretty cheap. And so. I found that there's an app that you have to sort of jailbreak the Amazon Fire tablet so that it's not tied just to the Amazon store. You can then download a file from an, a, another source, and that file allows your Amazon tablet screen to be driven by video outside the screen. You can then on Amazon buy a, uh, a little dongle that's designed to plug into a... Um, a uh, head unit in a vehicle that has a USB input and yeah. it gives you CarPlay. And so I was able to create a CarPlay interface on a eight inch Amazon Fire tablet by plugging this little dongle in and downloading some software. And so then I can set the tablet in the car and I now have CarPlay in a car that didn't have CarPlay. And my and the tablet is attached via Bluetooth to the sound system, so I get the sound, the music. It uses the microphones in the tablet to pick up my voice for, for Siri commands and for phone calls. And because <laughs> Amazon has built in Alexa, those those microphones are are you know high enough quality to be able to use for voice control. It was pretty amazing. Huh. So Do you for, have the website to give. So a, about for for forty bucks, I was able to create a uh, a CarPlay on a V on a, um, a vehicle without it. Yeah, yeah, and it's portable. I can take it to any car I want. Yeah, you know. Now these yeah. days, you know, like if you're renting a car, they almost all have uh, in a uh, you know. Uh, what do you call it? They, they've got CarPlay built in, so you don't have to do that. But um, but anyhow, I just thought it was a lot of fun. It was a fun little project for me over the weekend. And huh. uh, let me see if I can find you the uh, the link, and I'll share it with you. Not many of uh, that kind of thing around for the hobbyists anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, you it, and I it, used to do all kinds of hobby tech things, and it's, it's there's it, not much of that. And so this weekend, I kind of ran across this thing, and I went – Hey, I've got a tablet, and so I went and ordered and got it. You know, one day delivery for the little uh, dongle that gives you the CarPlay interface. You know, there used to be thousands of people like us wandering around out in California. I'm sure there's still some out there. I didn't really mean to say none, mm -hmm. but uh, 
it's uh, I haven't seen evidence of uh, the hobby market uh, anywhere in a long time. So yeah, but then I don't live in California anymore either, and I don't even get out much anymore. So that's that doesn't mean yeah, much, I, I have no idea if those you know the 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 computer um, swap meets that we used to go to. I have no idea if they're still running and if there's people out there building their own computers and and you know hobbyists yeah. doing that at all anymore. If there are, I got to imagine it's a much smaller you know yeah. well, uh, you, world. You used to see in the very all kinds of different techie places that there were computer clubs inviting you to come to their meetings and you know that kind of stuff. But but that was. Yeah. That was kind of localized to California where we lived. I, I just, I don't know. I, I assumed it was broader than that, and I think, it, I'm sure it was. But uh, anyway, it was lots of fun. Yeah. Okay, this isn't the exact article that I got, but I'm going to share this one with you that talks about how it was done. It talks about it. I, I I'm trying to remember even where I saw the original article because I, after I, the original article missed a few key things, and so I went and did some research online to find more information uh, about how to do it. Oh, I see your your article here. Yeah. Add wireless CarPlay to any car with a cheap Android tablet adapter. Yeah. So I bought the adapter, and it was like forty three dollars or something like that on Amazon, and I already had. The tablet so mm -hmm. so now it just so happens the tablet that i had was a fire 8 plus which is kind of what they recommended um the reason being that if you're that most all of the fire tablets and i think most tablets have one usb input and while you are using it for the carplay dongle you can't be charging it so you're only good as long as your battery lasts uh, um, and so I, um, uh, rigged up thing. I have a, I had an unused Qi charger that I taped to the back of the fire plus cause it is Qi chargeable. And then I plugged that in. So, so it's charging the whole time. So the battery will never die. Mm -hmm. But, uh, again, that's, you know, a hoop you have to jump through. If you've got one that's got a long enough battery for your trip, then you don't have to worry about that. And you just take it out and charge it up when you're ready to use it, you know, or, or you know, depending on how you travel. So, but anyway, I just thought it was fun. It actually worked. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the Apple Fi or the Amazon Fire tablets are, are real cheap. I mean, the Fire 7, which is their base one, is you know I've seen it for as little as thirty five dollars um, uh, during mm -hmm. their prime days and things like that. So if you're not if you're not in a rush and want to be patient, you can get a, a seven inch tablet for for very cheap. Um, the Fire HD eight is there. It's an eight inch tablet that has uh, a faster processor and um, uh, and if you get the eight plus, it's uh, got wireless charging, so you can use a Qi charger to charge it. Um, and yes. those are less than a hundred dollars regularly and on sale for half that. So yeah, it says 55 bucks here yeah. in this article. Yeah. If you go to buy it right now, it's going to cost you closer to a hundred. But like I said, you can find them. They're on sale all the time. You just have to be patient. If you wait 30 to 60 days, you'll be able to find it for that $55 probably. Well, they got a discount code up here. It gives you 25% off. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's for the CarPlay adapter. Adapter, yeah. Yeah. 
So okay. So yeah, you you ventured out to other brands. I've I've lost the zeal for right. that much hobbyist well, stuff. The, I I I have the the uh, Amazon tablets. I have played around with them, and I have had a couple different sizes of them. In fact, I've got a their ten inch one sitting here in front of me, running a clock app in my office. Just it's a so I can see a clock. Yeah. It sits on a charging stand. It's ready to go all the time. Um, I had. Uh, my daughter, one of my daughters, asked about a friend whose computer died when she was taking classes for her degree, and she wanted something that she could do FaceTime meetings on. She just needed something for FaceTime, uh, or not FaceTime, Skype or Zoom meetings, I guess it was. It was Zoom meetings. There's the one. I'm looking for the right word. And uh, Zoom is available in the Amazon App Store. And if you buy the Fire tablet, it has a camera on the front and a microphone, and you can do Zoom on it. And like I said, you can get it for as little as, I got it for 35 bucks at one point in time. Mm -hmm. um, and so you just need a cheap way to get into a Zoom meeting, Fire tablet. And mm -hmm. so I recommended that. Um, my wife likes to play music in her classroom. She doesn't want to do it off of her phone and run her phone battery down. So she wanted an inexpensive way to play music. She's got a little Bluetooth speaker. So got her a little fire tablet and put together mm -hmm. music playlists for her. And she plays music in her classroom, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, so it's, it's, it's sort of like the ACDC, the right tool for the right job. Right. It's, it's, I, mm -hmm. it's, it's in a classroom of seventh and eighth graders. I don't know that I trust that setting a, a, an expensive tablet out there or your personal phone out there is not going to get you know, <laughs> damaged or stolen because somebody thought it was funny. Um, but you know, a $35 fire tablet, it's like, if something happens to that, you go, eh, so we just buy another one. You know, it's yeah. every once in a while you want to buy another one anyway, just because they've got, you know, faster processor and a little bit better case. I mean, they improve them every so often, just like Apple does. So, yeah. Um, uh, but you know, I just, I think they're hard to beat price wise. Yep. You know, and in a pinch you can sit down and browse the internet and shop Amazon yep. and do pretty much all those kinds of things. Watch YouTube videos. Well, the main, the main cost factor in those things are the uh, screens, yeah. you know, and how good is the screen? You know, yeah. that's, that's what you're really doing. Well, I'll tell you good enough. I started watching a, a, a movie on the, uh, yeah. On the on the eight plus when I got it uh, out again, I charged it up and and uh, the adapter hadn't come, so I, I couldn't you know start my tinkering. So I was just playing around. I down I figured out how to download the software that I needed, got that mm -hmm. downloaded and set up on the device, and then was just playing with it. And uh, you know I mean I got good quality sound out of it, and it was it was pretty impressive little device for for something that costs you know what one yep one fifth or or, or or one eighth of what a equivalent uh apple device would cost right you know i mean is it as good as the apple device nope but is it better than one eighth of the apple device i would say so i would say it's probably 75 to 80 percent of the apple device for for about one eighth the price mm -hmm. and so i have no hesitation telling people that if you if you have the right it, if the purpose that you need it for fits the fire tablets make a lot of sense 
you know, if you want yep. something that's, that's in a, you know, risk of being damaged and don't want to put a lot of money into it, but you need, you know, some, some connectivity, they're great. Um, uh, you know, if you're going to get them for a kid that you're afraid is going to bash them around, they're great. You know, have, have so, you ever bashed, have you ever bashed one and have it quit? I have yet to have it. I bash one and, and have it quit, but I take care of my electronics, you know, I mean, knock on wood, fake wood. I, you know, as a uh -huh. swim coach have never gone swimming with my phone in my pocket and nowadays they're, they're, you know, water sealed. So it shouldn't matter. Uh, I've not broken a screen usually at the end of my life when I'm ready to get, move on to a new phone. Uh, the hmm. old phone has almost no wear and tear on it. So what do you mean at the end of your life? The end of end of life of the device, not my personal <laughs> life. Yeah, uh, so I thought that was a slip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so end of life of the device. Um, you know, I have historically handed them down. Although I'm not doing that anymore. The current phone that I have, I've got on Apple's trade program. So, um, you know, I, I at the end of this, it, with the, when the iPhone 15 comes out, I'm going to trade in the 14 and get the 15. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I've I've been tempted a few times to to buy some of these less expensive devices, and mm -hmm. but I've just never pulled the trigger on it because I finally say, ah, do I care? You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say that I pulled the trigger on some of them, like the you know uh, I got the one for like thirty five bucks and one for fifty bucks, and uh, the reason it was available to do this project with was because it was sitting on a shelf most of the time. You know. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, but. You know, my wife still uses one every day in her classroom to play music, you know, yeah. and every once in a while she'll come and say, hey, let's, let's, you know, she, she like wants me to help her, but, uh, she could do it, but you know, just let's build some new playlist. She's tired of that music and wants something new. So we'll just we mix and match and pull something else out. Yeah. Mostly the music she's just bringing over the air or over the internet. Yeah. Right? Well, what's, what's nice. No, it, it, here's why we use it is, um, she's the school internet where she teaches she is not allowed to attach any personal devices to it she, oh. and so only school devices so what we do is we download the music onto the device that she has the the fire tablet and and right now she's using um uh spotify as her music source but she could use apple music too um and she takes it in and plays music now I don't remember exactly the timeline, but there's a, a timeout where Spotify will say, okay, if I haven't attached to the internet to verify that this account, this account is still a viable account, then I'm, you're not going to be allowed to play music anymore. And so what she does is every weekend she brings home her, la her, her, her little uh, tablet and we attach to the Wi-Fi at home so that Spotify can kind of verify that she still has an account. And, uh, and she charges it up on the weekend. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know if she plugs it in at school or not. She probably does there too. Um, but uh, you know, same thing would be with Apple. Is that Apple would, you know, if you were playing Apple Music, and you can play Apple Music on the on the Fire devices, it's available there. Um, is that it would say, you know, I need to be able to phone home every once in a while to verify that you still have an active account. Mm -hmm. So. But because she can't use the internet there in the classroom, and I don't want to stream over cellular because that gets expensive uh, or eats up a lot of data, um, 
it's just easier to download what she wants sure. into playlists and then she yeah. doesn't, you know. So, uh, and, and uh, how much memory you have? Just to um, I think this one's got like 32 gigabytes, which you can put tons of music in 32 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they have a 64 gigabyte one. The nice thing about all of the Fire tablets is they actually have a an SD card slot. So I could put a 128 or a 512 gigabyte, you know, or even a terabyte SD card in there, or micro SD or mini SD. I don't remember which one is micro SD. Yeah, uh, but then you don't want to lose those kind of cards. Your kids, you know. Right. Those are expensive. <laughs> and so far I haven't found that I needed it. You know, I mean, yeah. again, depends on how you're using the tablet. If this was an everyday tablet and you were downloading lots of apps and and doing stuff, you know, and and these tablets, you know, they don't have a a pencil or a a pointing device of any kind, a drawing device. So, you know, if you use your Apple tablet and you need that Apple pencil, then this this isn't going to work for you. Um, and I suspect that if you were trying to do you know any real heavy duty computing, these were probably underpowered. But for internet browsing, watching videos, and playing music, these are fine. Listening to podcasts, they really are. They're great little devices, and they're cheap, cheap, cheap. So, And you can put CarPlay on them and use them as your CarPlay interface. So, you know, it's a win-win. Yeah. So, and it really wasn't very difficult. Like I said, I, you know, it sounds scary, but, you know, you, you – uh, when you buy the little dongle, it has a website to go download the uh, – the the app right on the box and with a QR code. And so, you know, you go to that website and then the operating system says, you know, you're not allowed to download apps from here, you know, unless you want to. And then you can click on settings and go say, yeah, allow, allow this website to download. And they go, okay. <laughs> and so it downloads the app uh-huh. and then it says, okay, the app's download. You want to install it? And you say, yep. And it says, Okay. <laughs> You know, and uh, the first time you run the app, it's, it, it tries to go and look for uh, updates. And you'll get that little error saying, this app's not allowed to download applications, you know. And uh, do you want to go to settings and change that? Yep. <laughs> so <you> go, okay. <laughs> and so you go and change that. And now the app can download updates so that it's got the most recent version of the app. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you plug the dongle in. And you plug your phone into the dongle, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, if you want to spend a little bit more for the dongle, there is a wireless version of the dongle, too. And so then you don't even have to plug it in. You've got wireless CarPlay. Yeah, this picture in this article looks like a little adapter here. Is that the dongle you're talking about? It's got yeah, a cable yeah, it's just a little black box. box. Yeah, mine is white instead of black because when I went to go buy it, you had the option of buying it in white or black plastic. And I went, yeah, I'll go with the white plastic. Um, you know, let's. I want to see the dirt that's all over my little adapter. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I would say about it that was is a little irritating is, and it seems like they're all this way, is the adapter is designed to plug into a USB-A slot. And, of course, the port on the bottom of the tablet is a USB-C slot. And so you have to buy a little adapter to switch that to USB-C to plug it into the, into the Fire tablet. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's small... Small irritation. Yeah. Well, and uh, what what, what uh, vehicle do you did you put that in? Did you say? Uh, our Mazda. We've got an older Mazda SUV that I it works, ah. works I well was in. 
just you know just funny i i I suspected it was, and I asked for this reason, is that Mom and I were talking the other day, who said, you know, well, we'd been talking to Alex, and he bought a Mazda because you had a Mazda. Well, he bought right? a Mazda because I used to have a dad on my swim team who was a vice president at Mazda, and he was willing to give us a, uh, uh, a, a deal. deal huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, Alex anyway. was able to go to the closest Mazda dealer, which when he was in West Virginia when he bought this was in Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, it came up, and I said, Huh, I wonder if Todd still has his Mazda. I don't remember seeing it for years, but then we haven't been out there in a while. So. Yeah, I was gonna say you haven't you haven't been here to see it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's still out in the drive. Well, actually, it's not in the driveway. It's sitting at my wife's school right now, because um, she's back in school. But uh, wow, this is August. Yeah, you're yeah, bringing them back early. Yeah, she her school district has done that for quite a while now. And so, uh, unfortunately, she's already back in school, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. Um, and uh, I guess last, she was back on last Monday. So this is her second, starting of her second week, and they they went for like three days without kids. And I think kids showed up on Thursday last week. So you're still having the high heat out there. The school is uh, to handle it, it has been low 90s for the last few days, and will be through the week, even dipping into the high 80s. Uh, and uh, and then it's going to go back up a little bit, I think. I was going to say schools sometimes don't don't barely make adequacy on some of this, so that's why they have summer or summer off, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it was originally sort of around harvest and stuff was what it was originally supposed to be, and it sort of migrated to summers because yeah. of heat. But uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's toasty. It's toasty. Um, at least it is, um, you know, like her, her classroom has air conditioning. So. Well, that's good. Otherwise they would probably say we're going to, we're going to go walk the sidewalks, uh, and, uh, in the cool of the morning or something and say mm -hmm. working conditions are inadequate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it, I think it would be downright unsafe if they weren't, um, yeah, you know, but uh, I suppose I that I remember going to uh, school when I when I was in school in Kansas, you know, in the summertime, uh, the school didn't. This was pre air conditioning, and uh, so it was really tough sometime. But we were fortunate that we were in an old limestone building, so that it drew the coolness out of the ground that was adequate two stories up. Mm-hmm. Now the people that were in modern schools, and I understand that's what that's how they replaced my school with. They tore somebody in their infinite wisdom says, "We're going to tear down this limestone building, which has its own natural yeah. this cooling historic system. building that that actually works like a cave, keeps yeah. everybody cool." And yeah. and they replaced it with a standard brick building. Yeah. And the first thing they had to do was to modify the air conditioning because it didn't get cool enough in the summer. And yeah. I thought to myself. What idiot did that? Yeah, you know? yeah. You had a perfect solution, and you and you tore it down. Well, and and also for the winter time, they had uh, these radiator heaters, so it was a steam-driven thing, and so that was very efficient. All you had to do was have a heater under this thing. Now, Dad told me he went. My dad went to that same school when he was a kid. <laughs> yeah. And back back then, you had to go out to the side of the school and and 
shovel coal into this furnace in the basement that uh, it was a coal burner to make, to make the steam mm-hmm. <laughs> to go to just be distributed throughout the school. So anyway, they got rid of all those old things that worked very efficiently and of course coal wouldn't be allowed today anyway, but yeah, it was very good in those days, beat the heck out of wood, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which was the ultimate alternative back in the, in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you want a fire? I'll make a fire. Get your ax out. You will. Yeah, exactly. Well, you should have gotten your axe out in advance, right? Because yeah, you wanted it to right. dry before you. <laughs> so, well, I, I, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, you, um, you know, you do what you got to do. You know, some some of those winters can be brutal. Got to got to keep a warm space. But you know, you mentioned that it was funny because the first thing that came to my mind is I remember when we lived in New Mexico, and we were out. Uh, I think uh, you and mom had decided to go. I don't think you were seriously thinking about buying it, but we went and walked through a, a, a several hundred year old adobe house that was for sale. And oh, I remember yeah. you stepped through the threshold and immediately it dropped like 10 degrees. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, the wa- and the walls were usually four or five feet. Oh, yeah. It was thick, like at, at, least. Least, at least two foot thick, thick. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. big, big heavy wooden timbers that, that held up the. Uh, the uh, the roof, which was you know thick adobe yeah. as well, so it was literally it was like you know mankind built a cave <laughs> on top of the ground instead of yeah. you know finding one in the side of a mountain. Well, um, just for for old times' sake and for the tourists who used to come to a place called the Wakanda Sanatorium, it was a historic old hospital that was out in the boondocks. Yeah. They built they built a, a sod house, and so that was another attraction. Right. And so that was one of these houses that were actually, instead of digging uh, underground, which is the way they did most of the sod houses, this one was above ground, yeah. with a, but it also had a, a, a grass on the roof. Right. So they had, to, they had to water the house every once in a while to keep the grass growing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Boy, well, that, that was boy, the prairie version of adobe, right? In the, in yeah. the desert southwest, you built it out of dirt and adobe uh, clay. Yeah. You know, in, on the prairie, you would div, dig up sod and cut it into squares and stack it to make your walls. And again, thick, yeah. thick walls, uh, you know, uh, uh, protection from the, the harsh weather. Um, well, and, and in those days, I mean, it didn't maybe get as hot as it is these days, but I, you know, I remember in many days over 100. I mean, uh, yeah. I can't. Yeah. On the prairies, it gets pretty hot too. Well, yeah, you know, and it's it's maybe not as many days as hot consistently, but it didn't mean that you didn't have days that were just as hot or hotter independently, right? Right. You know, um, it's it's. Uh, well, the, it's not the, a straight line thing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Of course, the rules that came with those kinds of thick walls and houses and all that was that first of all, the windows were very small, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and you didn't go in and out of that door very much. And when you did, you didn't hold it open. You, you know, yeah. it was often a two, two door affair with a little insulated air in between right. the doors. One at the outer edge of the. Yeah. When you when your wall's too thick, two foot thick, you can have a door on the outside and a door on the inside. Right. Right. So it's like stepping so. into some of these jewelry uh, stores where you, you step through the front door 
and when the front door closes, then the inner door then, opens, and vice versa. So you can't come and go quickly. Right. Yeah. By design. Yeah. When I went and got the batteries in my watch recently, I was at a jewelry store locally, and it's, I had seen that and and I knew it existed, but hadn't really done it until I was there. And this guy was also, um, he was a. Um, the, the place was a jewelry store, but it's also like a, a uh, pawn shop, but only for like jewelry, you know, so mm -hmm. that's his specialization was jewelry. But uh, because there's, you know, expensive watches and, and jewelry and stuff in there, uh, you know, he did not want somebody coming in, smashing up his cases, grabbing all this stuff and running out. So, you know, the windows were, were barred. And when you stepped in, you stepped basically into a cage. When the door shut behind you, then the ins inner door would open <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he had a button within arm's reach at all times that would just lock you in there if he felt like uh, that's what he needed to do. If they were, if the owners of these stores in big cities these days remembered, you know, they were my age and remembered these kinds of things, they would sure wishing they had multi doors on their places because of the lawlessness in cities now. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. You may start seeing doors that are typical for jewelry stores showing up on, you know, shoe stores and things like that the way the way things have been going 7-elevens and such you know yeah um but anyhow so i put one more article in there i don't know if you saw it right above where it was the uh how to add wireless carplay to your car with a cheap android tablet i put in what's going on with reports of a room temperature superconductor i i was just reading that yeah yeah and it's real interesting um just as a a, a refresher uh, superconductivity is basically a set of physical properties. This is directly from um, the fine folks at Wikipedia, by the way. Uh, observed in certain materials where electrical resistance vanishes and magnetic flux fields are expelled from the material. Any material exhibiting these properties is a superconductor. Now, the issue with superconductors is very often, in order to be a superconductor, they have to be super, super cold and working in a vacuum which makes them yeah. not particularly utilitarian to the average person. Right. And you say, well, what can a superconductor do for me? Um, really strong magnets, electronics that are much, much faster because they can, there's no resistance in the, in the transmission of superconducting materials, faster computers, um, just there's a whole bunch of different ways that it can be used. But somebody has recently announced that they have found a superconductor that is in its superconductive state at room temperature. The, the, the uh, material oh. is called LK99. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just been announced in the last couple of weeks. So there's obviously a lot more study and research that has to be done. Um, I will tell you that in this area, other people have said that they were able to make room temperature superconductors. And then when they were researched, when actual, you know, uh, critical eyes were put on it, there was found errors in the research and, and, and you know, mistakes made in the measurements and things like that. So yeah. this obviously has to be peer reviewed and looked at in more depth, but it's pretty interesting um, and could mean... Uh, a lot of changes in things like battery uh, um, manufacturing, and uh, and and so you know, I just it's it's exciting stuff if it proves to be true. Uh, 
you know, I if, would I would I would say it ought to be proved to be true before they publish the article. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that the people who who and and the the most recent one that turned out to not be true, um, the the people who published this one didn't publish it until they felt like they had been able to prove it. And so the big question is, is has anybody else been able to reproduce this? And the response was maybe ish. So yeah, well, others have tried to start to do it. They're getting there, but apparently it's proving to be difficult, but they're seeing that it's not undoable. And so the question huh. is getting the right version of, of specific chemicals in order to make this happen. And yeah, sounds, sounds, sounds like a relative of Galileo. I've heard this story before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, time will tell it's there. It's probably better to be, um, more skeptical than not. But, yeah. uh, that said, you know, it's, this is one of those those you know sort of in the world of science holy grail type things is a is a room temperature superconductor it's yeah. like uh, cold fusion you know cold fusion was in the news sure. you know a, a decade ago about somebody had yeah. done cold fusion and then it turned out to not be the case yep. you know but if there's a way to create energy at room temperature you well, know and, and create a system that puts out more energy than you have to put into it then well i'll t i'll tell you people that are in the research field uh, all of them are giddy about what they're doing and the possibilities that exist, so much so that they almost can't stand it because they want to be famous. Right. There's a combination. Of, well, and it's not just famous. I think they're truly excited about the possibilities that it means for humanity if they can get it right. And so sometimes they just get a little overzealous. I don't think well, it's, no, you know, no, there, it's, there are no, no. some people out there who clearly have bad intent as well. No, no, fame, fame is important because with it comes money these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I mean, it, it, I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm, I'm saying that, you know, I, I think that, that the, there's a lot of, um, that, that most people are more altruistic than that. You know, I mean, they, they're happy. They want the fame, obviously, um, but they, they are, or they want the money anyway, the, the, the benefits right. of having found something that nobody else has found. But I yeah. think also there's just, you know, pride of place to be able to say, hey, I, I figured out something that for, you know, a couple hundred years we've been trying to figure out and, and I'm the one who did it or my team did it. And, yep. and realistically, that's how it is these days. It's not I, but my team, you know, it's usually a group yep. of people working on something. Well, and it was always, it was always that way before, but the problem is, is that the guy who there's always a head that takes advantage of his position and says, we're going to name it after me. Yeah. Well, I mean, Edison famously was that guy, right? Yeah. You know, for that matter, you know, people, um, um, I've done that with Steve Jobs. You know, they give him credit for all these things that Apple did, and he he didn't invent any of that stuff. He was just yeah. the guy who brought everybody together and said, "Go this way," you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that was Edison too. You know, so and there's a skill to that and a talent to bringing those people together and saying, "Go this way," you know. Oh, well, certainly. You certainly, know, yeah. this yeah. is this is the thing that we want to do. You guys figure out how to do it. You know, but knowing the thing that you want to do is important. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. And, and keeping everybody fed and housed until they come up with how to do it is is also important. So, you know, yeah. running the business is not not to be minimized. But see, um, see here it says, and the head of the lab 
has now been accused of scientific misconduct. <laughs> yeah, well, as they're trying to figure it out, you know, um, I don't, I don't see where that is. Well, that's what about those other superconductors? It was the big uh, hitting. Right. Well, the, the head of the lab they're talking about is not the head of this lab, right? It's the head of the one that that had uh, gotten already had to retract its its claims. Yeah. You know, and and they did they were they did point out that the people working on this, none of them are the same people that had been working on that previous thing. Okay. Uh, and and that they're not. You know, it's a different group of people. Yeah. Um, using diff different physical materials, and so, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, John Timer Tim Timmer had to write an article for some reason, so he said, "Hey, here's a candidate. People will drool and 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 be become doubters and all kinds of stuff. This will really stir them up." Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah. Well, that and see, and if yeah, if you finish that, you were you were saying, and the head of the lab has been accused. But if you read the whole par paragraph, it says a similar claim was made about a high pressure material a few years ago, and it's the head of that lab that has th since been accused of this. So they're just saying that this is an awkward time to be making um, these kinds of announcements because uh -huh. there's already been a, a scandal. And so yeah, you know, when there's already been a scandal about somebody either lying or misrepresenting what they had done or not being able to be replicatable. Um, is that rec replicatable? Anyway. Um, Repeatable. How's yeah, that? Yeah, there you go. I, I, I can't repeat re replicatable, so I'll just say repeatable. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, anyhow, uh, you know, I just – I think it's interesting. I love to see um, – advances yeah. in basic science because then that becomes a new tool for the engineers and the designers to create new stuff and better stuff and you know and so so to see you know a materials uh uh improvement or or a, a change you know much like the concept that hey maybe we should rethink how dc energy or how, how we transmit energy by using dc uh, instead of AC el electricity, um, is, you know, interesting the same way that, you know, hey, maybe this LK99 can change things as well. And both of those things are are very much in the early stages, early stages and a lot yeah. of questions have to be answered. Neither one of them is in practical use right now, but they're both sort of foundational things that can have significant changes on on life of humanity in general if yep. if it proves out and those kind of things i think are exciting to me yep. you know those are the kind of things that i like to read about and learn about and say oh, oh. hey well, where are we going you know the, the, uh, you know anybody who's into technology is always attracted to new and better things and things that you weren't aware of and you just want to spread the word because you're interested in i mean and it sort of Scratches your itch, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it it gives you that sense of wonder of what might be, right? Yeah. And yeah. and and you know, they some of these things will will work out and they'll be amazing. Some of these things will sort of work out and and be okay, and other things will just not ever figure it out. Will there the de you know will will hit a a dead end and find out? Oh, we didn't think about this, and now that we do, yeah, this ain't gonna work. 
Um, see that that that's why the, the the communication that we have today is really such such a wonderful time to be alive, isn't because, it? You know, uh, it wasn't very long ago where we couldn't talk to people uh, at great distances and and carry on like you and I do together weekly. You know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, no. When so, my first daughter was born, uh, there were, uh, I remember looking into and finding a a, a system where we could do a video chat back and forth. And this is, remind you, under dial-up conditions. And yeah. I think it was, uh, we tried it one time, we got everything set up and we tried it. And literally the image was about the size of a postage stamp on my PC. It was very low resolution and it refreshed like every 10 uh, or 10 frames a second or something like that. So it was really choppy, horrible video. Yeah. You could, bear but the point was, is I, I held up my granddaughter so you could, or my, my daughter, so you could see your granddaughter. Daughter, yeah. Yeah. And it was, and then I think you guys came out and visited like a week later, but prior to her, her birth, I, I we, we talked about this and got, I don't know if you remember that we got it all set up and it was. Exciting yeah. and amazing, but incredibly disappointing <laughs> in terms of yeah. the actual quality of what we have. Well, you know, it reminds me of an article that I read uh, since the uh, uh, space computer has come out. And people are saying that, you know, even at a price of $3,500, there are people who know that there's some upcoming event that's so important that they want to capture in this in this new spatial domain with everything right. sound and audio or and video all being in the three dimensions that we know of right that we live in and it'll be so yeah real. so that a hundred years from now somebody can be That's in that right. virtual environment and see uh, that actual announcement happening or that actual yeah, thing and, happening yeah in fact i could see somebody like uh, your uh cousin reagan who happens to be a professional photographer now wanting to buy one of these things so mm -hmm. that they can capture uh, wedding events is what she focuses on. Sure. But somebody will just would love, they'll pay the money uh, mm -hmm. because it, it's, it's, she, it, she can charge more because you're given so much more uh, by having an event, an important event in people's lives uh, recorded, you know, while they're still around, you know? Yeah. So, well, and, but the, you know, there are, uh, 360 degree cameras that are available already um you know insta makes them and rico makes them and gopro makes them where you can take them to an event set them on a on a stand and they literally get everything and so they, you can they get the audio too yeah yeah they get everything and and it sits there and it's as if you were sitting in the position where that camera is and so when you see the video you can look up you can look down. I mean, it's 280-degree cameras basically facing opposite directions. And mm -hmm. so you shoot that video, and then you can go back and, you know, if you've got a 360-degree a, a viewer or a 360-degree headset, you can literally look all around and, and as if you were sitting there. It's pretty amazing. Uh, well, what they haven't done, at least that I haven't seen, is one that does that in stereo, stereoscopic, you know? That would yeah. be amazing because then it's like I could sit there and see everything in 3D, you know? Well, well, I believe that uh, Apple's uh, sp space computer is going to be stereo stock. Oh, yeah, it is. But right now it's only going to shoot what I'm looking at. It won't shoot what's behind me. So when I go back to watch that, 
I can't see what's behind me if I, I can't turn my head and look and see what's there. Oh, I see what you mean. With an Insta360 camera, I can. Oh, I'm recording yes. what's going on around that camera in 360 degrees. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so well, I can look down at people's feet. I can look behind me. I can look around. And what's cool is right now, today, in fact, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday. Somebody had, had done this where he had a group of people that normally podcast the way you and I do, but they happened to be together. And so they recorded a podcast sitting around a table. And so he took his, his camera and he set it in the middle of the table and just recorded it. And then when he went to go play it back, he brought all that video into, um, into um, Apple's uh, Final Cut. Final Cut recognized that it was a 360-degree video. What's cool is then when he went to go edit it, he can pan and scan anywhere in that 360-degree environment and put that on what's in the screen. So it looked as if he had a cameraman there moving from person to person to person. And so when somebody would talk, the camera would be on them. Then he would scan the camera over to the next person who started to talk, and then back he could Look at what was going on on the ceiling. He could look at what was going on, you know, on the top of the table. Uh, you yeah, know, but it, there's going to be obstacles that get in the way of some of that, too. Well, uh, obstacles, I mean, such as? Oh, post in a room, you know. Oh, well, wherever. sure. But if I was sitting in the room, I couldn't see what was on the other side of the post either. Yeah. You know, okay. I mean, it just, I, I just think that that is so interesting and exciting. And there's so many different ways that that can work. I actually took an Insta360 to the league finals for my high school swim team this last year. And I've got all that raw video. And I'm thinking I might just cut the whole meat together. What's interesting is I stuck it on a stick that was up above Easy Up. So it was like eight, nine feet in the air. Um, so, you know, I could see what was going on in the pool. But if I wanted to zoom in or see what was going on off to one side or the other, I could do that. It's there. So I could just pan and scan around that 360-degree environment to then create a regular 2D screen of what happened. Yeah. You know, because I don't have a means of watching it back in 3D live. You know, I don't have you, that Vision Pro headset. Do you know what we're doing here? We're starting all over in terms of format wars. Who Who's going to sell a device that, that sells the maximum amount, which will dominate right. the, the format that we store all this data in? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I think I know what's going to happen is Apple's going to update cameras on their phones to shoot video in stereoscopic vision 3D yeah. and yeah. maybe even go to 360. They've already got cameras on both sides of the device. If they make yeah. cameras on both sides basically you know, equivalent, they can shoot 360-degree video from a phone. Well, the phones are big enough that they can match the uh, eye w distance between your eyes, too, you know, True. with the lens. Yeah, so, although I so think they, they could do that programmatically even if they don't, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you have to actually, it, you know, the physical uh, layout of the lens is really important. Uh, well, it is for the, for the physics and the optics of it, but like I said, I think, I think they can sort of fake that to some extent. But we'll see. We'll see yeah. how it all plays out. It's, um, I think you're right though. I think we're on the cusp of a major change in how imagery and, and audio. video is, is shot and audio is shot and then how it's played back, you know? Yeah. And, and they'll, they'll be different formats given different names to, to try to capture what right. really got there. 
uh, reality might be one of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Was it reality OS is already owned by Meta? <laughs> uh, you got to be careful here. Uh, I think. A, I think that's be a war over there. names. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, right now there's sort of a standard for 3D video when you record it, and and uh, and it's cool to think that. And, and I didn't, I wasn't aware of this till I listened to this podcast that Apple's Final Cut Pro is already capable of recognizing that and using it, which is uh. very cool. Yeah. By the way, uh, I'm coming up on one o'clock at my time yeah. and uh, somebody could be bringing the doorbell. So I'd rather not just have to drop you suddenly. Sure. Well, let's do one last thing. Something that we talked about before the show started and yeah. something that we're going to try to do. Now, I sprung it on you this time, so I don't know if you've had any time at all to even think about uh, a, a suggestion. But what we want to do is share some software that we think is really cool or some device that we think is really cool that we've been using a lot of. So for me, I mean, I talked about my little project with the CarPlay on Android device, but the app that I want to use, and I use this fairly regularly, is an app called Paprika. It's a recipe app, and I really like it because it syncs between multiple devices, and I share the same Paprika account. So when I set it up, I sh I, you put in a, a logon and password with my wife and daughters. And so any one of us can look at the list of recipes or add a new recipe to the list uh, if we find one we really like. And uh, when you, after you've created a recipe, you can use that as your shopping list to then go and, you know, you can like cross off things on the list that you've got at home and then go shopping and buy the things that you didn't, uh, that you needed for that particular recipe. So if you're planning your week and you wanted to go, you know, grocery shopping, you could buy what you needed for your particular thing. Um, I found it to be just a really, really handy uh, application. It's available on uh, Mac OS, Windows, Android, iOS, iPad OS. So it's you know cross-platform in lots of different ways, and uh, and we've got some really delicious family recipes in there. I really like it. Sounds delicious. Yeah, Paprika, and I think they're on Paprika version three right now, which is the one that I've been using. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't looked to see if they've upgraded recently or if there's a new version out there and what it might add. But Paprika 3 is the one I use and super, super happy with it. So, Oh, very and, good. Very good. I hope they suddenly get a rush of, of business yeah. downloading Paprika. Yeah, go support the fine folks who make Paprika. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got nothing to do when it's hot outside, you can cook. And find recipes that you can do without turning the oven on, right? So, oh, oh is that right? You can sort the kind of recipes. And well, you know, you can you can kind of pick and choose the different categories that you put them put them into. I tend to uh, put the word um, instant pot into any of them that I can cook in my instant pot. And uh, recently made a uh, really delicious uh, chicken tikka masala in my instant mm -hmm. pot, and then I swapped out one pan for another because I've got a couple of sleeves that I can put in different pans and did uh, use it as a rice cooker. So I made the, I, I had the tikkan tikka masala and then I made some, some basmati rice to pour it over and it, it was pretty yummy. Sounds good. Pretty yummy stuff. And that was the most recent thing that I've done with it. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy the paprika app because it's quick and easy to go find. Uh, I, as I recall on their uh, on the on the apps uh, advertising, 
it listed a whole bunch of websites that are compatible with Paprika also for cook, cooking shows and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's what I really like about it. I didn't even mention that. When you go to um, uh, a website, say like All Recipes or something, and you find a recipe you really like, just, um, Paprika has that. a browser. Yeah. And and so all you have to do is is uh, I you can either use their browser to go looking or uh, I copy the URL out of the out of Safari and paste it into the browser in Paprika and then it says do you want to download this recipe and I say yes and it then just sucks the recipe off the web page I don't have to type anything yeah that that to me it's it's most of the Food Network kind of stuff sure. shows yeah are and Paprika recognizes a ton <clears throat> of different. Um, uh, web pages for for pulling down stuff. The other thing that's really nice about it too is, say you know the recipe is makes uh, you know dinner for eight, and it's you know you and your your spouse only, and so there's only two. <laughs> you can go into the app or and say I want to do this at you know 0.25, make the recipe 0.25, or make the recipe you know 1.5 if you got to make a little bit more if you need to have a dinner for 12. Um, and it, it just automatically changes the amounts for everything, which is awesome. Um, so it just, it does those conversions super easy, which is something you would expect of a recipe app. Uh, but you're right. The other thing that's, it's really great about it is the ability to, uh, to suck things off of web pages. Cause you know, I don't know about you, but that's how I find new recipes sometimes is just go browsing through some recipe things. Or every once in a while I'm reading something and there's just that they'll say, oh, yeah, by the way. And it's the weirdest stuff. Sometimes even in a tech article, you know, the tech person will say, you know, hey, I had this great meal yesterday and here's what it was and here's the recipe. You know, it's the weirdest stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but Paprika is pretty good at recognizing that format of, you know, a, a measurement and the name of something. And a measurement in the name of something in, a, in columns, and then you know directions, and it just takes it right off the page really, really well. So, highly okay. recommended Paprika if you're looking for a great recipe app. Uh, by the way, it will run on your $35 Fire 7 tablet uh, just fine. So if it's in the kitchen and you're worried about your tablet getting, you know, stuff splashed on it or knocked down or broken. Um, you can you can do it on a super cheap tablet too. So, yay paprika. <laughs> yeah, until, until the plastic gets greasy and then it gets sticky and then it's really it's thirty five dollar tablet. You throw it away and you buy another one. <laughs> it's not your three hundred and fifty dollar you know iPad or your or your thousand dollar phone. It's it's your uh, your thirty five dollar Fire tablet. You're which supposed is... to put those kitchen things in baggies. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's again. <laughs> There's, that's why you have the $35 or, or $50 uh, um, fire tablet because it's it's in a hazardous uh, location <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So anyway. Um, well, it's been fun. We'll, been uh, fun. We'll uh, hopefully come back to you next week with some more uh, great information on what's going on in the tech world and maybe a few tips on some software or devices that we really like. So. Okay. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.